my name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. It's podcast number 717. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. Today we're going to talk about hypervigilance. No. Remember I sent you a text and I said we, ha- we have three quotes. Oh, so it's not about hypervigilance No, anymore? we did a show about hypervigilance. I can't say it. Hypervigilance uh, a couple months ago. Oh. So I sent gonna... you a text. I said, scratch that. We've oh. already done a show about it. That's too bad because I had a, even a definition lined up for a hyper... Three Sorry. quotes. I have three quotes instead. All right. Yes. Um, and do you, So do you want to know what they're about, though? Sure. To, just to kind of set yeah. the tone. Well, all three of them are from uh, a show that we're watching called The Bear, which Ooh. I hope everybody's watching it. I am not going to do anything like it's people are still watching it, meaning the season season two just came out and I'm not going to do any spoilers. And we're not we're going to talk about some of the the quotes, like the heart of the show. And even if you're not watching the show, that's OK. This just kind of gives you a feel for what they're talking about. And um, they are about the ability to be. Um, to get better but not be perfect, um, the ability to stay inspired, and then one that I'll save. But I think the show does a good job talking about what it means to live and connect with people and what it means to grow and change. And, um, you know, I would prefer you watch it so you can kind of get your own experience, but we can definitely talk about it without ruining anything. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the bear, but... But not. <laughs> I don't know if he's got something caught in his throat or what's going on there. It's, it's called grizzly sound effects on YouTube. I was not expecting that sound. Speaking of YouTube, um, Kathy and I have a YouTube channel. You can watch all our podcasts, but you can also see little clips that we make as well. You got to start with the three things, babe. Oh. The structure, remember? We're trying to do the structure. I know, that's the first thing. I know what you didn't say. We oh, got sorry. three things. Oh, so explain the framework. Yeah, because we we do, when we listen back to our shows, we're like, there's so many things that we're saying, do this or do that, but we're not giving it a good structure. So we just had this long conversation about we're going to say, do three things. Three things. First one. Like, subscribe, comment on our new YouTube channel. Awesome. And the thing about our YouTube channel is we used to have a YouTube channel, but it was kind of messy and disorganized, and then we lost access to it. Yeah. And now it's much more organized. So number two. Um, Team Zen, the Circle app. The cir- you got to join our app, Team Zen app. It has everything Zen Parenting Radio. If you like the show, if you like the things we talk about, you have got to get on our app. A few things on the app is Kathy's Women's Only Group, mm-hmm. Swag, Micro Communities, Zen Talks. And I want to say hi to our newest Team Zen member, Emma from Bend, Oregon. Thank you, Emma, for joining us. And there's- Sorry, I talked over the clapping. And there's just people from all over the country. So I think sometimes when we're... Don't forget about... um, We'll get to three in a second. No, no, New Zealand. I know. Well, all over the world. I'm sorry, you're right. There are people from all over the world. Don't shortchange us. You're right. It's an international community. And I... um, I think sometimes when we feel alone, like we're doing this family thing and nobody else understands and and we get Supreme Court rulings that we're like, what's going on? Then you have this whole community on this app where it's not that everybody thinks the exact same way. It's just there's other people who are dealing with similar things. That's right. We all kind of help each other expand and grow. So that's the second of the three things. Yeah, the and third the, one. The third one is to subscribe, subscribe to Kathy's Zen Parenting Moment. And if you 
got it in the email last Friday, mm -hmm. in your email box, you this may be familiar here. When does Peter come in? Oh, Peter. I wasn't expecting that either. Yeah. The Grizzly and Peter, they're just I feel like, I mean, I'm watching the video itself right now. Uh, Cindy's in this wonderful purple outfit. Yes. Marsha's always like Miss Perfect. She, she drives me nuts. And then good old Jan. Um, and then Greg is in this slick What do you mean little, good old Jan? That's all you have for Jan. That's all I got for Jan. <laughs> Uh, Greg is in this slick little outfit where the tassels are. Oh, yeah. It's like fringe. a Johnny a fringe thing. Uh-huh. And Greg is in this wonderful 1970 T-shirt. And then good old Bobby, who's my favorite. You just said Greg, but you meant Peter. Peter, sorry. Peter. So Greg is in his Johnny Bravo suit? Uh, yes. Oh. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's a Johnny Bravo suit, but. He's the only one wearing fringe? Um, Yes. Can you see it? Um, I, let I me see. Todd's it. pulling it up, so you could go to YouTube to watch this part. Oh yeah, he's wearing. He's kind of. It's like a shirt, though. It's not like a suit. I should wear that. You know what? They're wearing perfectly age appropriate. Like what Greg's wearing is like a total teenage outfit. Yeah. Peter's wearing a total like I'm. I'm. I'm in that middle space, and yeah. I don't know what to wear because yeah. I'm not a kid and I'm not like a teen. And then Bobby, of course, is wearing a nice striped turtleneck. He looks like that's the Ernie from Burton Ernie. It's a total shirt. Ernie shirt. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, I'm right. Steph Sharon. So. Uh, um, so Kathy did a moment, and what was the title? Do you remember, sweetie? I think I called it Full Progress. Okay. And any, what's your summation So it's one? funny that I use the Brady Bunch song because it's it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a, the word juxtaposition. I'm never quite sure how to use that word, but I think I got the gist of it, that it's kind of different than the tone yeah. of the actual writing. Because the what I wrote about was I was at Cameron's uh, orientation for college last week, and, you know, you're just like, are we here? Are we, is my, are my children leaving <laughs> Again, um, it's hard. And and I think that no matter how old your kids are, these shifts, these changes, them going to a new school, them graduating, them, you know, going to school at all. Like if you have a four-year-old or a five-year-old who's going to school for the first time in the fall, it's just these are big changes. Yeah. And I wrote about how there's this voice that I think everyone can relate to that sometimes tells us it's okay to stay as you are, don't change. Like when, you know, we have an opportunity to do something new, there's a voice that's like, you don't have to change. You don't have to do it. You can just stay put and be safe. And the voice is very soothing. And I think that's why it can be difficult because we're like, but that makes me feel so soothed and safe. Yeah. But then we have this other wise voice that comes up and it's like, you have to, you have to jump into the fire. You have to change. You have to go on to the next phase. We were just talking about, um, kids who stick around college for that fifth that year fifth year, yeah and how it seems like such a good idea when you're a senior because if you have a fun college experience your senior year is always fun yeah but then we know people who stayed for that fifth year and it's always got this kind of different feel to it because most of your friends that you got there with are gone yeah and you don't really feel like you belong as much as you did when you were a senior. Yeah, it's like if you do a completely different thing, like say you live in an apartment and you have different friends or you're staying for grad school, maybe it's totally different. Right. But if you're trying to recreate yeah. something trying that has relive. ended, yeah. it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it can be like even me, I graduated and then I went back to school, you know, in the fall to see Todd, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it was just not fun. It wasn't my friends weren't there. It wasn't my time. Yeah. It's like, you know, when your time and that's the wise voice is the wise voice is like this time has ended. You need to move to the next time. I, sometimes, I used to feel like that in my 30s when we would, you know, when we would get a babysitter and go into Lincoln Park. Yeah. After we started having kids. Totally. And we saw these like 25-year-old kids at the bars that we used to occupy. Totally. Like, what are you guys doing here? This is my bar. Totally. And actually it wasn't. Well, and I just, I have such distinct memories. Like I, I have a memory of being at Yaxi's like, you know, late night. And the, a guy was talking to my friend Amy and he was 30. And I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. Like I remember in my mind being like, why is this 30-year-old here talking to my friend? And here, you know, we are, it's, and again, it's all relative. It doesn't mean 30-year-olds shouldn't go to bars or that 50-year-olds shouldn't go to bars. It just means what are you doing a new thing? Or are you trying to recreate an old thing? Mm-hmm. There are no rules about that you can't do it. It's just what is your reason? Like mm-hmm. where where are you in your space and time? In a relatively disconnected story, I just watched a little documentary on the Doors, uh-huh. and there's the all four of the members. The Doors are at this party, and the party's just kind of weird, even for the Doors guys. <laughs> it must be very weird. And Ray is like, man, this isn't our scene. These people are vampires, mm. and. Ray and John and Robbie all bail and Jim stays Mm. and they said and I don't know which of the other band members said is I remember the night that happened and we realized Jim was just in a different place Mm, yeah anyways well it's kind of like in Almost Famous when what's his name um He's the guitar player. He's uh, uh, Russell. Russell. Thank you. Russell Hammond. When he, you know, he's doing drugs and he ends up at that high school party. And then the whole band comes to pick him up. You know, it's right before that poignant moment where they play Tiny Dancer. But he gets in and they're all like, what are you doing, dude? I mean, there's a lot of layers of what's going on in that moment. It's not just about him being at that party. But that's he's in a different space Mm -hmm. than they are and that's on many different layers he's a better musician but he's also like doing things they wouldn't do um i just always find that scene to be very layered and interesting is this the scene you're talking about i am a golden god (laughs) definitely i am a golden god hey russell don't jump and you can tell rolling stone magazine that my last words were <laughs> the dog. <laughs> I'm on drugs. <laughs> Should I keep playing it or no? You, I mean, no, because okay. we're doing that. But it's still, it's a great scene. And then he tries to do something more deep, more relative to his age yeah. and understanding. And the kids don't like it. No, no. He says something else and they're like, no, no, no. He we says, like, he says, I'm I, on drugs. I dig music. I dig they're like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and they're like, mm, and, and he's like, like I'm, I'm on, on drugs. drugs. And that, and again, he shouldn't, that's, he's in a different phase of life. Did we show that with the, show that to the girls? Yeah. They didn't like it that much? Well, I think they thought it was long. Yeah. And I remember seeing Almost Famous the first time and being like that, it has a, it's a bit of an acquired taste. Like now I love it and I can pick it up at any time, but it's not Jerry Maguire. Have we done a pop culturing on that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one um, of our faves. But like the the bottom line of the Zen parenting moment that I sent out is just about that we have to it, what we think the the last thing that I wrote the last paragraph I wrote was 
sometimes we think change is going to kill us, but it's actually the thing that saves us mm. because we ha- we're like, oh my God, if I have to leave, if I have to change, if I have to move, um, if I have to get a divorce, if I have to watch my kids leave, whatever, it's going to kill me. But it's actually, it saves you because change is what helps you begin again and reestablish and have resilience and recognize the way life works. It, life is cycles, and you don't get to stay in this linear pattern for a long period of time. And if you allow yourself to change, you see the process and you're less scared. Like the amount of times, I mean, I've had the same meditation area for I think 15 years or 10 years. Or no, that can't be it, it, because we've only been in this house for like eight years. But it doesn't matter. Whenever we moved in, I've had the same. And I have so many memories of sitting in meditation going, wow, this change is just going to change everything. And will I ever be as happy again? And you always are, but it's in a different way for a different reason. It's not going to be for the exact same thing. You have to. So I used a, a Anis Nin quote um, that she had. A lot of people know the beginning of the quote, but they don't know the whole quote. Mm-hmm. And will you read the whole quote? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, let me see if I have it in front of me. People always take the first line from it, but they don't get the whole point, which is she's trying to say exactly is what. Per, let's see. Um, it's at the bottom of this. And the day came when yeah. the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that's the one that is most popular, but then keep going. Life is a process of becoming, a combination of states we have to go through. Where people fail is that they wish to elect a state and remain in it. This is a kind of death. Living never wore one out so much as the effort not to live. Life is truly known only to those who suffer, lose, endure adversity, and stumble from defeat to defeat. Perfection is static, and I am f- I am in full progress. Yeah. So that's why I called it full progress. And we are going to talk about that, the being better rather than perfect at some point today. So it connects. But um, as Todd said, number three, we said we were going to say this so concisely. Yeah, not quite. Uh, number three is um, scroll below, subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. And you can do all get- three of these things by just yeah. scrolling. Meanwhile. YouTube. Try to change their worlds. Yes. Are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware what they're going through. Don't tell them to blow up out of it. Somebody noticed I did not play my blind melon song. I know. We talk about change a lot. And I always played my Blind Melon change, and today I went David Bowie. I'm glad. You're welcome. I'm so glad you did. And what about John Waite? You could have played John Waite. Uh, which one's that? Change by John Waite. Why don't you know. play it? Because it's good. Um, what's the one song by John Waite I know? Missing You. Oh, yeah. Because I remember the video. Because he's got the headphones on. Correct. And he misses when she knocks on the door. Yeah. This is a sweetie <laughs> song, right? People talking. <laughs> Guess what they use this in? They use this in Vision Quest. Oh really? When he's climbing the wall. We always wish for money. We always wish for faith. They're about to say change. We think we have the answers. Some things that ever gonna change. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who you are. It's all the same. Change is one of the most foundational, I don't know, 
personal growth topics. We talk about butterflies and moths and so many metamorphosis and all that stuff. Well, and I think what it's okay that you have a moment where you're like, I don't have to change. Oh, sorry. Where you're like, I don't have to change. I feel safer if I don't change. I think that's very human. Yeah. Normal. And I think that being able to talk about that and saying, I don't, I do want to do a fifth year or I do, I don't want to make a big change right now, or I'm not willing to to change my job. It's okay. Like there is a sense of sometimes safety that we feel and there is a timing thing, but there are certain moments. Like for example, when I was in high school, I didn't want to go to college. Obviously I wanted to go to college. I was lucky that I had the opportunity. And let me be clear. I knew I was going to go, Yeah. but I was so bummed. You were so comfortable. I was so comfortable. So that necessitated my wise self is I didn't really have a choice, but I didn't want to. And part of me is like, but I can, you know, maybe I, it would be so much better if I didn't. And of course I needed to jump in and do it. And, and I, it, you know, it, it is, I've had to do that my whole life, you know, moving from a job to a job, moving to a different city. Um, you know, these choices we have to make, but it's, I just think I'm trying to soothe that part of ourself that says I'd prefer not to change. It's like, correct. Mm-hmm. I think all of us have that, but there are points in time when we know we have to, because we are in full progress. We right. have to keep moving. No doubt. Okay. Um, I was going to play this last. I don't know what the hell he's talking about anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. Sweetie, this is somebody who didn't want to graduate high school. Is this McConaughey? Yeah. <laughs> so you're a freshman, right? I may have missed yeah. the line, though. So tell me, man, how's this year's crop of freshman chicks look? <laughs> what, you're going to end up in jail sometime really soon? I know that. Fact. No, man. Yeah. No, man, tell you. Yeah. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a classic line. It's a classic line. And the best part about that uh, clip is that Fox on the Run is playing in the back. And for those of you guys who know what Fox on the Run is, go ahead and raise your hand. I'm not raising my hand People right now. know Fox on the Run. People. Some people. Sweetie. Some people. Um, but yeah, She's... I think Matthew McConaughey's uh, character did not really want to graduate Change. high school and he as you know and again we don't know what's going on in his mind and it's a fictional character but he probably didn't care there were people that i grew up with who stayed didn't do much different kind of maintained and might have been very comfortable doing yep. that like i but i think this is a very individual experience like uh, some people may say you have to take that job and some people may be like that's not right for everybody's me everybody's different everybody's different um so let's go with these three quotes our, what I thought we had a question. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the question. Yeah. Nice job. We have an Ask Me Anything um, on our website, and you can actually scroll below and click on Ask Me Anything, and we get questions. Um, here's the one problem is I don't know how old the daughter is that this woman is asking about. Okay. So it might challenge us to support her. I actually did just email her just in case she was going to get it. But here's the question. Okay. My, hi, Kathy and Tab. My husband and I have been trying our best to provide our daughter support since she was like three years old. She explodes so easily, especially when she does not get what she wants. She forgets, in quotes, requests. Or Didn't we already do this? We talked about anger last week. Maybe we did it on a Zen talk. I thought, I don't remember if we did this or not. I don't think we did, but maybe, let me read it. And if we already did it, we'll yeah, just refer Yeah, I think back. we did, yeah. She forgets requests or directions. She, te- she tested negative by far for ADHD. Okay. I don't remember reading that. Okay. She screams to the whole family, including her four-year-old brother. Lately, she has a hard time taking responsibility and a bit of lying. Okay. We've been going to counseling for a year with no huge improvement. 
I'm a scared mom wondering if they will last forever, especially as the teen years will be here before we know it. Scream time is a trigger. And while we set time limits and boundaries, that becomes another fight. Mm. It's like there's not a win for anyone. And we are constantly trying to acquire more balance and less confrontation. Mm -hmm. We have read books, attended positive parenting solutions, counseling, and nothing seems to work. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I don't think we've answered this question. You might be right. I think we probably just answered another question about anger. Um, yeah, it was a similar question, but different. So it sounds like she's a pre-adolescent or an adolescent just going into the teen years. years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that I have a lot of different things going on in my head because there's just no way, because I don't know this kid, yeah. I can't be like, here's what's going on. Right. I have no idea. The only thing I can look at it from is from a parenting lens is I think... Um, did she say if it was their first kid or their second kid? Or their uh, well, uh, this daughter who they're struggling with has a four-year-old sibling. Okay, so it's the first brother. kid. I think sometimes we have a belief system or maybe an expectation of how our kids will be, especially you know how they were maybe at seven, and then they'll be similar at eight or they'll be similar at 10 or whatever. And not only do we have the expectation of them, but we also have this cultural expectation of that they are going to do A, B, and C. They're going to be in this sport, and they're going to go to this school, and they're going to get these kind of grades. And we kind of have already created an idea in our head of how our kid is supposed to interact with the world. And so that creates right off the bat of suffering when our kid is not accommodating or, um, you know, showing up in the way that we thought they would or that the kid down the street did or our niece did or whatever. And so there is why this is important to understand is of course it's normal to have expectations about, you know, not hurting people and, yeah. you know, it's proper behavior. Proper be and even that word, proper behavior, can be, uh, how about this, nonviolent behavior, sure. okay. you know, where you're not harming anybody, do no harm kind of thing. Um, but this time that she's in is a time where she's kind of figuring out who she is. And she's she's having a lot of experiences with a lot of different sides of her personality. She's being, she's probably more, now there's a development part, or there's a brain development too that's going on where she's starting to acknowledge um, different aspects of the culture and what's being asked of her. And she started, she, she's had abstract thinking since she was eight. So things are starting to get a little murky, right? Mm -hmm. And so she's trying to figure this out. And if there is this belief system that she needs to get on a certain path and quick, then she's going to fight against that. I think any kid is, or not any kid, some kids say, okay, I'll jump on the path. Like it just depends on the personality. But why I'm saying this, I'm trying to expand the way you look at it because instead of we need to get her in gear, we're afraid we need to get her in gear. What if the switch was our goal right now is to get to know her? What are the things she's asking for? What is she trying to communicate to us rather than how do we get her to accommodate cultural demands? Mm -hmm. And I think just that shift, I'm not saying it's going to make everything better, but can you let go of how you think she's supposed to be acting, interacting, reacting, and be more like, oh, that's interesting, Um she got really mad when we brought up A, B, and C. And then maybe when she's not feeling, you know, angry or she's calm, maybe before bed or when you're like having a good time with her, you can say, you know, the other day you were really angry when I brought this thing up. Is there, is there something I'm missing? Is there something I don't know about you that you wish I knew? Um, and I think what's interesting about this, Todd, is sometimes parents are scared to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
because a bunch of things could be going on. The kid could be dealing with something at school that's hard. They could be afraid of something. They could be dealing with their own identity. Um, they could be feeling there's something going on. And sometimes as a parent, and I'm saying this from experience, like I sometimes have loved it when my kids have come to me later and been like, I was having this struggle, but here's how I got through it. And I'm like, whew, yeah. glad you got through Side that. Because I would have really struggled with your struggle. But then I, that at the same time, I'm so grateful when they come to me in the midst of a struggle because I get to help set a foundation for them and be a support system. And, and so they don't have to go through it alone. So, you know, the truth is it's hard. So I'm not saying you should want to do this, but what I'm saying is, can you be more curious with her rather than worried about how to control her? And I'm using that word really loosely because I'm sure you're not consciously trying to control her, but there's a sense of how do we get her back on the right path? How do we modify her behavior? And what is the right path? Like, what, what is that? What does that mean to you to be with a certain set of kids, to do a certain thing at school? Like, I find that this is an age where a lot of kids start to maybe question church mm-hmm. or they start to question teachers. They start to question authority. They question the things that they used to go along with. Right, blindly. right. And that conversation is really interesting because they may be, even though they do have abstract thinking, they may be a little black and white about it. Like I've decided all teachers are bad or I've decided religion's stupid or I've decided, you know, sports are sports dumb. are dumb. And, and music's to, dumb. To yeah. have the conversation, yeah, music's dumb or your music's dumb yeah. or the Or things- I don't want to take piano anymore. Quit, right. quit making me, whatever. And can we, instead of talking them into no, no, you used to like this, or how could you say that, or how dare you, which they're just going to push back on you defensively because basically you're not hearing them. They're trying to communicate something to you. Instead to say, I can understand why you feel that way based on this experience, or maybe you're done with piano for now, or, you know, but the conversation itself is where they start to understand nuance and paradox, is you start to say things like, let's say it's about religion or religion. I know that's a, you know, third rail issue, but I'm not going to get deep into it. If they're like, I don't want to go to church anymore and say, you know, tell me about it. What are the things you don't like? Well, I can't go, you know, I can't be out there with the rest of the adults. I have to go back here and do this. I don't believe in some of the things they're saying, or it's dumb or, or there's a kid there that drives me crazy, whatever. And say, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't want you to believe that everything that you're learning is, um, or every experience that you're having is, is all of what church is, is there's more, it's so funny that I'm using church. Like, I don't know why I'm using that. Um, but there's, there's things in it that can be lovely, but maybe it's something you do on your own time. Maybe it's something around faith or hope or meditation. Like my point is, is that there, anything that our kid is pushing against us, it's so uncomfortable, but as Tan and I always say, it's a door. It's in, it's how we get to know our kids. It's how, it's how our kids are allowed to share with us who they are. The only time this gets really bad and murky is if we believe there's only one way. Yeah. And it's our way. Well, and I'll just add to that. And you kind of took a lot of what I would have said. So it was great minds think alike, I yes, guess, sweetie. Yes, um, I was going to say, you know, the storms come yes. as raising young people, uh, you know, they get volatile yeah. and they get reactive. 
So do your best. And I'm sure the person who wrote in is doing her best to weather the storm. And she's scared. Yeah. And she's scared. Mm -hmm. And just know that as much as I would love to say, yeah, we have control over how the storms show up, when the storms show up, we don't. The only thing that we really have much control over is our response to it. Yeah. So as hard and as not helpful as this invitation is, is really focus on your own uh, response. emotional response to it as best you can. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say, which you already said, is engage when times are good. Get yeah. curious when times are good, because when the storm is here, they're in their the back of their brain and you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. That's just a, a that's just trying to weather that storm. But then when they can kind of float into this underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, which isn't get fully developed until what, you're 25. 25. Mm -hmm. And I would challenge that there's some people never develop that <laughs> prefrontal cortex, including me sometimes. Um, that's when you want to engage when they're in a kind of a calmer state. So, but there's no answers. Every kid is different. Every set of experience is different. And especially if it's your first, then nothing's like if with our third child, there's a lot of experiences she has she has that are very familiar to us. So we're kind of like yeah, we're not afraid of it because it's like yeah, I remember this stage. Like we were talking in the car, and this is so not a big issue. This doesn't really threaten our emotional well being. But do you remember how there was in fourth or fifth grade, their shoes were so gross. Like they would come home and smell? I'd be like, wash your feet. Oh yeah. Your shoes are so gross. And I remember, you know, you think it's a one of the, you think it's an individual thing. Yeah. But then you realize all three of your kids in that time period had really gross shoes. Yeah. And so it's like, then it's not worrisome for you. It's just a, it's just puberty and, it's a, phase. and a phase of life. And that's a really simple one because there's no emotional, mm -hmm. you know, but I think that sometimes broadening your perspective on that of like, she is trying to tell me something like when babies, uh, you know, when infants can't get their needs met, what do they do? Cry. They cry. So when our kids are older and they do have language, but they don't feel understood and their needs aren't being met, they're going to stomp and yell and cry. And we, of course, can set expectations around what's safe and what's not safe. It's always good to have boundaries and structure and you talk to them about that. But there's something she's trying to communicate, even if it's she doesn't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't mean there's a, a scary problem out there. I mean, it might be like... I'm starting to feel uncomfortable with my body. I'm scared of what comes next. Like some of her feelings may just be normal kid things, yeah. but she doesn't know how to communicate it. And if we are less worried about what does this mean and we got to get her on track versus where is my kid right now? And I want to meet her where mm -hmm. she is. Well, and one thing that I find myself now saying, because I used to tell people like, you know, if they get all reactive, I say, take a breath. Yeah. And now I say, Todd take a breath before yes. I, before I ever tell anybody else to take a breath. Sure. I need to take my breath because when I tell somebody else to take a breath, that's me saying to them, I can't handle you how yes. you're being right now. And it sounds condescending. Yeah. Right. It, uh, who wants to hear that? Yeah. Take a breath. That doesn't help. Instead, how can I regulate myself and bring some of that regulation to the energy between me and this person. Role model, yeah. role model, role model. Yeah. You know, like you don't even, I, maybe you don't even say, hey, you, I'm going to take a breath and then you take a breath. You just take a breath. No, that's what I mean. I don't even, you, you don't gotta, even say it You don't anymore. even say that. Yeah. But yeah, whenever I hear a story, I guess, so I told her to take a breath. I'm like, dude, 
did you take a breath? Yeah. And most of the time it's like, no, because I'm not okay with what is happening in this moment. So I need somebody else to calm down because I don't have the ability to calm myself down. And I, we kind of talked about that, I think last week or the week before about when parents will say, how do I get my kids to do meditation and yoga? And I'm like, do you do meditation mm-hmm. and yoga? Because I think people read about things and they're like, I want my kid to do it. Yeah. And it's like, but, and they, they might be interested, but I think there's a 20% chance versus an 80% chance if they see you doing it. What are the ways that you calm down? Yeah. If we don't consider ourselves part of the equation and what our kids are doing, mm-hmm. not just about the role modeling, but how we are showing up in every conversation. If we are showing up in every conversation really afraid, then our kids are going to feel afraid too. Yep. And so it's like we have to, you know, monitor ourselves. All right. So hopefully um, that helps. Your hair looks really good today. Really? It's, it's funny because I actually don't like the way it's looking right now. Really? No. It's too like um, Wall Street slick straight back. Like Ross? I, no, not Ross. Did like swim here? Like Gordon Gecko okay. or Bud Fox from Wall Street. Bud Fo- Does Bud Fox do a slick back? Eventually. He starts, oh. he starts replicating Gordon's Gordon. hairdo. Because in the beginning, he's got kind of like regular hair. And then he turns into a gecko-like figure. Got it. We should do Wall Street. We for should. Do you know how many times I've seen that movie? I know. I like, and I don't. I I don't. Well, I do love it. Actually, I do love it. But there's parts. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Daryl Hannah in that movie. Uh, I do know that. What's her name in that movie again? Um, her name Daryl. It's like a very unique name. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember it. And you know, one thing about that movie that we don't really talk about that much is that she had been with Gordon as well. Oh yeah, they had been sleeping together also. Yeah. You know what else we don't talk about? What we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> we don't. I we just don't talk my about Bruno. No no, 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 no. You spilled your coffee. I did just a little bit. It's fine. Just it, a little bit. It has a All lid right, on it. So okay. So here's my three quotes, three and we're gonna have quotes. quick conversations about them, or nice conversations. Two C's. Quick so did, my, conversations. My first one is just fun, and it's that's your that's your quote. No, oh, I was gonna is, say this is a, a quote. It's not a very good quote if it's just fun. So again, just to read these quotes are from the. TV show, The Bear, season two. Okay. I'm not going to ruin anything. I'm not going to hype how great episode six is. You just did. I Go just ahead. did, but I'm not going to even talk about it. Um, I'm going to say, I'm not like this because I'm in Van Halen. I'm in Van Halen because I'm like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we break that down. Yeah. I'm not like this because I'm in, in Van, Van Halen. Halen. I'm in Van Halen because, because I'm, I'm like, like this. this. So the reason I am who I think I am I, I don't know if I can verbalize. I think I understand it, but I'm having a hard time verbalizing what that quote means. I think it's, um, I didn't become this way because I joined something and yes. then was like and taught. Then, yes. I'm, I was I am this, this. And then that, found yes. that group. Yes. I am this. Therefore, I'm in Van Halen. Yeah. Like this is where I this am. This is how I got there because this is who I am. Correct. And I just, why I liked it so much in the show and, you know, and again, I like it in life is because Richie uses it twice, yeah. by the way. He, yeah. And the second time he does it, he kind of half asses it because yes. he realizes it's going nowhere. Yeah. He, he's like, people are don't care. So I wonder how that um, relates to... Mm, my life and my experience. Yeah, that's why I want to bring it up. In your experiences, like I, I, I haven't had any time to think about it. Do you? Do you have any connections <laughs> yeah, to that? I do. I, I would say the things we talk about on this show. I don't talk about these things because I do Zen parenting. I'm I do Zen parenting because I'm like this. Yes. So like I, 
I didn't say, hey, I'm going to do a podcast and talk about, you know, mindfulness and connection and compassion yeah. because I want to be part of this team. It's what I'd be talking about. Todd and I would be having this discussion in the kitchen. Yes. We just went on a walk and I talked straight for 20 minutes at Todd. Mm -hmm you know, about these things. Yeah. And so this is my Van Halen, Yeah, you know? So it's not, we're not putting on our Zen parenting hat no. when we get on the podcast. No. All we're doing is having these same conversations in front of microphones. Correct. But we would have many. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, That's yeah. Good. I'm not like, and I would say you with like, sports or wanting to play a game, you're mm -hmm. not trying to like join some team or demonstrate to people that you're a good athlete. Mm -hmm. You just want to play mm -hmm. and therefore yeah. you're bringing up a game. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it's, I think another way of phrasing this quote is, is it inside of you or is it outside yeah. of you? I'm not like this because I'm in Van Halen. I didn't join this and then become this or try to be this. I'm in Van Halen because I'm like this. Mm -hmm. Like, so let's talk about the doors. You were talking about that example with the doors. Jim, so they all went to this party and then Robbie's like, dude, this isn't our scene. And Jim's like, this is my scene. Yeah. Like, this is, I'm in Van Halen mm -hmm. because I'm like this. Yeah. I'm at this party because I'm these people. I wonder, and this might be a tangent, but like imposter syndrome comes up because I've been a coach for guys for, I don't know, five, seven years. I don't even know. And there's still a part of me that's like, there's effort that is required for me to feel like I'm valuable to mm -hmm. the guys that are in front of me. Mm -hmm. and as a matter of fact, I actually think I'm the best coach when I've had a few different sessions and my last session is at the end of the day and I'm kind of tired and I feel less of a need to convince the guy how smart I am. Mm -hmm. I feel less of a need to convince the guy that I have all the answers and instead, and I'm a better, I think I'm a better coach when I am trying, when I'm not trying as hard. Yeah. And, but somebody would be like, why don't you just do that all the time? Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's imposter syndrome. Maybe I feel like I, 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 I don't feel like I am this inside. So I got to show it to this guy outside. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I will get to the point to where I'm like, yep, this is just a part of me. But there are times when I'm like, I don't really know how best to help this guy in this moment. Well, and I don't think that ever goes away. Like I think that there is this combination of skills you need when you're supporting people or teaching or podcasting or um, you know, writing where you have to incorporate an intellectual ability with a more vulnerable um empty cup mm -hmm. curious learner ability mm -hmm. because if you bring too much I, I would say starting out you brought a lot of intellectual where you are like look at these um what would you call them frameworks, like frameworks that i know and and i'm gonna everything you say back to me like it's one of the reasons that like adam grant i love his podcast i love his books but anytime i hear him on a podcast someone will say something and he'll always bring up this research to support what he's saying yeah and while there's something really lovely to that, I feel like he can't let go. Mm -hmm. Like Enough with the research. He, Tell yeah, me what you think. Like, let's, what do you think about this rather than what the research has dictated? Yeah. Because if you're too closely tied to the research, then there's nothing. And he, he wants to be curious because he'll say things like, what do you want to teach me? What do you think I should learn? Like, mm -hmm. But he's so aware yeah. that he's tight. Yeah. Like it's, uh, and again, you, you kind of have to listen to his podcast to know what I'm talking about. But- 
I think with you, when you were first coaching, you wanted to demonstrate you belonged my here. My expertise, yes. that I was part of it. And I am better now than yeah. I was five years ago. And my gosh, I hope I'm a better coach five years from now than sure, I am today. of course. That's the whole idea of it. Well, and I think one of the great parts of being a coach or a teacher or a podcaster is realizing that not everyone wants what you have to give. Sure. Like there, there is a certain, your personality plus your intellect, your history, your background, your belief systems, create a type of coach that works for a certain type of person. And not it's not going to be 100% for everybody. Well, I'm getting much better at firing my clients. So yeah. I don't think I'm your best. Right. You know, because they want something and what I feel like I have to offer are two very different things. Right. And, and, it, so. and it is selfish to hold on. Right. Because you just want the money or the client. No, yeah, yeah. And it's better to be like, I care about you. That's why, you know, we talk about um, a lot about having our loves in order. Mm -hmm. And if our top love, and again, this is a David Brooks thing. Um, it was in his book. And it's also, he actually got it from some other guy. I've talked about this a lot, but I use it. Because if your loves are in order, where number one is money, you may hold on to every client you have because your number one interest is money. Right. But if your number one thing is compassion or love or self-trust or, or you know, integrity, then you will have money maybe three, yeah. number three, but you will be able to let people go. Well, another thing I say to these guys all the time is like at the first intake session, yeah. which I only take 30 minutes with, is that like, dude, before you go with me, if you like me, Go talk to two other coaches. They should. Just to see yeah, what it's like. They should. And that's what I would want to hear if I was if I was somebody looking for coaching is the freedom to because if if I come with the attitude like I'm your coach, right. I know everything, I'm a good fit. I'm like, I think I might be a good fit, but I won't know until we start dancing together well, and coaching, see what happens. Coaching is a relationship. So <clears throat> right. is therapy. Yeah. So to say to someone, I am your best fit, that's very one-sided. Right. And the challenge right now in the in what's going on in the world is because we have limited therapists for the amount of of support that people need. Mm -hmm. Some people are just like, I need to find a therapist and yeah. I need to get started. And I get that. Like, but really you're trying to develop a relationship. And if somebody's beliefs or the way that they interact or they're late all the time, or there's something that's really throwing you off, it may not be a great fit. Yeah. So these are, you know, these are, these are important to at least keep in mind. But anyway, that is the first quote, Todd. And I didn't know we'd go so deep into it, but I just love that Richie says it. Imagine that. Let's He's, do a drum roll for this next one. Okay. I thought you'd play Van Halen. That'd be good. What's number two? Um, so number two, I would say, I'm trying to decide which one I like better. How about this one? And we'll just keep this simple. There is an episode, it's actually one of my favorites, uh, number four, where it's a very calm episode. It's a very um, uh, introspective one that I found to be, that I felt so good after watching it. It's just the way I feel after watching the show. And um, there's a comment that's made where this guy is trying to get better at something and he use, he says, the thing I've learned in life is that it's never about being, he actually says, um, I've learned to be better and not perfect. That's mm. the quote he says. I've mm. learned to be better and not perfect. And I find that to be, I think most people would make the sound you just made. Hmm. Like the way he said it, a lot of us say, you know, let me just have a better day, but it's not a perfect day. But I'm learning to be better and not perfect. And I look at that in that you don't have to decide your life is good, bad, right, or wrong, or that you're, there's every day, are you attempting 
in your conversations with yourself, in your conversations with other people, that you're noticing things that when I say better, it doesn't mean getting a better grade or it doesn't mean having more friends or it's just like, I'm going to do this in a way that I'm working toward what feels better. or I'm going to say something that's more honest. I'm going to try something that feels inspired. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do better, but it may not look to the outside. It's, it's not about doing something where other people you're getting external validation yeah it's just i'm even better might be like for me one of my betters has been okay well i'll use an example my daughter gave me because it's very similar to mine she said she had a headache the other day and she kept forcing herself to do things and do things and do things with that headache i can relate and then the next like a few hours later her headache was gone and it was so easy to do those things So what she learned from that is her better is when I have a headache, I'm going to relax. I'm going to do that better for myself. I'm not going to beat myself over the head with the fact I should feel better and get things done. And I could really relate to that one because I do that too. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I kind of took a different path. The whole idea of perfect is one that I think our society elevates. Yeah. You know, you got to win the Super Bowl or you got to get first place in the science fair or whatever. Body perfection. Yeah. Or body perfection. Doesn't matter. You got to get straight A's. Like, and it's very, an uncomfortable place to reside from is the striving for perfection. Yeah. And um, what your quote is I've learned to be better, not perfect. It's like, I don't know. It just kind of lets me off the hook in a good way. Yeah. Now you could say, well, Tiger Woods wanted to be the best golfer in the world and Tom Brady wanted to be the best quarterback of all time. And were they? Well, Tiger probably wasn't. That probably still goes to Jack Nicholas. Statistically speaking, a lot of people can say Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time, but plenty of people would argue for other quarterbacks. But I also. Can I stop you in that, though? Look at what's going on in their lives. Like, do we, they... Right. Well, I, I want to say it. What oh, co- please keep going. Cost? Thank you. I'm sorry. At yeah. what cost? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, plenty of wonderful people get divorced, but Tom is in the middle. Actually, he's done with his divorce. Yeah. So really quick. Yeah. Tiger's had a lot of personal a issues. A lot of problems. Um, so, yeah, the idea of perfection, or I, I always think of, like, fathers really trying to get their sons to be so good at something and that son would just want to please their dad in a way to make sure that that's the only way that they feel like they can receive love. It's a really inhibiting way of living a life. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, when I heard that quote, it's like, and I thought of for some reason, the book that Dan Harris wrote called 10% Happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he didn't write a book called 100% Happier. (laughs) He called a book 10% Happier. Yeah. So how can we just be a little bit more aware, a little more curious, a little more conscious, a little more intentional, whatever it is, instead of having to arrive at this, um, you know, mecca of whatever it is that you're searching for. And and stretching the word better, whereas I'm going to get, when a day doesn't go the way I planned, I'm going to get better at handling that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So you can stretch this word where it doesn't mean you're on this linear or it's not even linear, that you're on this upward trajectory where you're getting better, better, better. Better is about, I'm going to handle this better. I'm going to be more curious. I'm going to get better at being curious. I'm going to um, allow myself to rest if I don't feel good. Better is is very malleable. Yep. You get to kind of decide how you use the word. And, and perfect doesn't exist. And to your point, like I know people use 
you know, they use Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and Michael Phelps and, you know, Megan Rapino or, you know, uh, Abby Wambeck or, you know, this perfection of like being an athlete. Um, but they will tell you straight up or at least demonstrate through some of their experiences. It's been it's been a rough road. Yeah. The, the the life enjoyment has been challenged. Yep. And that is, so basically, let's go back to having your loves in order. If your top love is I need to be the best, better than everybody else, compete, and always win, you're going to, a lot of the other things are going to fall away because you're going to lose a lot of relationships. You're going to have a lot of um, self-doubt. You're going to have a lot of self, um, you're going to have a lot of, there's pain in that. And, And I feel like there's a place, that's just such a societal, cultural Thing where we think that's where happiness is and and anybody that's been there will tell you well you know like the the studies of you know the people who the depression rates as soon as athletes in the olympics get a medal as soon as they get off that podium their likelihood of depression skyrockets and they have to go through this whole thing of who am I and what do I do now? Right. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't be interested in that if you're if that is who you are. It's just you have to have a more holistic, well-rounded look at what makes a life. And it's not just one thing. Right. And as soon as you win, you know, actors who get the job they've always wanted, they get the payout, they get the they get the notoriety, they get on the cover of a magazine, they're like, hmm, it's not in there. <laughs> I'm not feeling any better than I thought I would. I have a pop culturing reference Let's to hear play. It. And it's from Breakfast Club. Okay. Andrew the wrestler. Yes. Played by Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Um, this is when they're doing the little confessional in the circle. Remember yeah. That part? Okay, here we go. It's all because of me and my old man. God, I hate him. He's like this, he's like this mindless machine that I can't even relate to anymore. Andrew, you've got to be number one. I won't tolerate any losers in this family. Your intensity is Win, win. When? You son of a bitch. There you go. Yeah. Well, and you know what you were just talking about, that experience, like father, son, daughter, son, it's not, daughter, son, mother, son, you know, mother, daughter, whatever, any relationship in the family, it can be a cycle Mm -hmm. where, you know, a kid will be like, well, I want to get really good at this. And then the parent is like, well, I'm going to help you and we're going to do all these things. And then the kid is like, well, I got to do these things because the parent is helping me. And the parent is like, well, I got to do these things because the kid, and it's like, sometimes we don't take a step back and say, are we on the right track here together? Do you want this? Because if you want it, I will support you. But if it's not what you want, that's okay too. You know, like I'm sure that there were plenty of wrestling meets where Andrew was just as intense as his dad. Mm -hmm. So his dad's like, see, I'm doing what he wants. But in the, in his room at night, he was miserable. Yeah. And so it's like the conversations are really important. Isn't there a quote, like sometimes your ladder is leaning up against the wrong wall? For sure. I don't know who's yeah. that is, but anyways. Neither do I. Okay, so let's last, two down. Last one. Okay, so this is a little longer, and it's actually from the same episode that I was just talking about because I loved this these subtle things that they were saying. This is in episode four. 
I think at a certain age, it's less about skill and it's more about being open to the world, to yourself and to other people. Most of the incredible things I've eaten, because he's a chef, haven't been because of this, that the skill level is really high. It's because it's been really inspired. Mm. And, you know, again, they're chefs. We could call each other chef. Thanks, That's chef. Right, chef. That's, That's right, right, chef. That's right, chef. Um, and so, but take anything and put it in there. It's not the skill level. It's that the person has seen things, done things, talked to people. They have a well-rounded look at the world. They're holistic. What, is, what do I mean by holistic? Exactly what I was saying about the person who's like only doing their sport and that's the only thing they do and they don't think about anything else. They're not thinking about relationships. They're not thinking about sleep patterns. They're not thinking about pop culture. They're, they're solely focused and they're not, they're not experiencing a wide variety of things. And, and it's also that it's not about that they got the best at something. It's that it came from, it's that, um, quote, Martha, the, the dancer about what comes through you Mm -hmm. is a unique, a unique offering that can only come through you. Well, that's, what's so interesting. I was actually going to talk about singing and dancing in that you can hit all the notes or hit all the steps, but if it is not inspired from somewhere within you, then it's going to sound different. So if we're just trying to replicate what our teacher teaches us of how to do a dance or how to do, how to sing a song and they're not in it, then it's not going to land as well. And we could probably say that about whatever our own vocations are, whether it's podcasting or writing a book or selling to a customer a pile of widgets, if you're just saying all the points but not believing in it, it's just not going to land as well. Yeah, or you're, you know, like you're replicating someone else's information or that's my whole point with Adam Grant. Sorry, Adam, I'm sure he'll never listen to this, but I'm not, it's, it's, I don't care what all the research says. Thank you. And I know you're an organizational psychologist and, and I'm, I'm grateful to have the resource to maybe back this up, but I want to know what you think and what your experience has led you to. What's that, um, who's that poet? Frank always would do it at Men Living Stuff and Annie's a friend of hers, um, there's a poem that we all, Annie Burnside, right. somehow knows this woman that we would always quote at Men Living. Oh, Sark? No, not Sark. God, it's going to drive me nuts now. Are you sure it's not hers? No, she's got like some like Native American name. That, S-A-R-K, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I know who you're talking about. Uh, she actually went offline. Yeah. She left. But she has a poem talking about that exact, like, don't tell me all the things you've learned. Yeah. Tell me about who you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to read quotes from that, but I don't remember. Yes. Oh, what I remember. I can see her face. I remember she was having a lot of problems with her eyesight or hearing or something, and she went offline. But anyway, I want to read the Martha Graham quote. Okay. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quick a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and will be lost. Mm-hmm. So it's so ironic that we find comfort as parents in our children following a pattern of other people mm-hmm. because we are understandably there is some pattern that has to be set up structure you know again not awful but we also have to allow for that unique spirit to come through and not say wait a second get back in your box do things like your siblings do things like other people we have to say okay this is interesting what is your spirit what are the things that light you up and the and then what he's saying, Will Poulter is saying in this quote, because it's his quote in the show, is 
he's saying, I have found, you know, being a chef, that it's not about the person who does the best, did the thing perfectly the way that you're supposed to. It's about there was something about it that was inspired and came through of that person. You know, there was something interesting about it or different or and that's what we like about dance or singing or writing or podcasting or being with someone like when I think about people I like to be with it's because they bring something that's different yeah you know there I think about my friends I'm like this person you know makes me laugh or this person's so good at saying what they feel or this person has really funny quips that they say and and they're not being like this structured person they're being themselves yes that's what I like. I I found the poem. Oh, good. Who is it? What's your name? Araya. Araya Mountain Dreamer. Mountain Dreamer. Yeah, that's it. And maybe we'll close the show. Um, I found a YouTube clip of somebody reading. It's four minutes long, so I don't yeah, know if we want to do that here. But I'll just read you like the first few lines yeah. to give you a taste, and then maybe I'll just play the quote at the end. And it's the name of the poem is called The Invitation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dream to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want you to, I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. Mm. So those are just the first few lines. And, you know, it's like, you know, I read self-help books all the time, nonfiction all the time. I've been doing it my whole life. And so I can read a book and I can tell if that person has experienced it. And if someone's just telling me a bunch of, and I do this to Todd on the show, you guys hear me, Todd will say, and take a breath. And I'll be like, well, tell us a time you did it. Mm -hmm. Because giving direction about something like, you should do these three things, it doesn't mean anything unless it's okay to say, here's the three things and here's how the different ways it can look because of my experience. I don't like directions that are just... Directions. directions. There has to be some some aliveness in it. Yeah, it has and, to come from experience. Yeah, and I, I love, last time I did that to you um, on the show, you were talking about taking a breath, and then the story you told was so much better mm-hmm. than just take a breath. It was like, well... I can't even remember what it was, but I was like, that's so interesting. Do you I remember? It, I think it had to do with my dad. Like my dad. Yes, that was it. He showed up for hours Day. early yep. on Father's Day. So And you and I watched you and I didn't even realize what was going on. We were sitting on the front porch and you said, I took a breath. I realized I was annoyed, but mm-hmm. I wanted to have a good Father's Day with mm-hmm. him. And so I took Like you have a real experience rather than just dictating to other people. Yeah. Now, everybody, as we close here, do you see how that connects to parenting? Mm-hmm. When you dictate to your kids what they should do and how they should do it and that they should do yoga and meditation and take this class and not be emotional and not be dramatic and get straight A's. Are you, are you telling them or are you in life demonstrating the ebbs and flows right. and then relating to them from that way rather than from a strict guideline that it's impossible for anyone to follow because life is not linear <laughs> No doubt. Um, so we have to roll with them. So that's, I I think that's where we'll be done. Okay. Um, so I am going to f- close this with a video, a YouTube clip, so you can hear the entire poem just for fun. Uh, I do want to- Who's reading it? I don't know. Okay. Have you listened to it? No. I just want to make sure that it's it's enjoyable. Well, if it's not, they're going to turn it off. So <laughs> okay. it's fine. Um, I do want to remind everybody of our three things. Okay, three things. Like, subscribe, comment on our new YouTube channel. 
Team Zen app yeah. on your phone. Yeah. So and, all things Team Zen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what was the third thing? Subscribe oh, to Zen Parenting Moment. The moment. Yeah. And then I want to say thank you to Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800, menliving.org. If there's any guys out there that want to connect connect deeply and live fully, go to menliving.org. And then I also coach guys, uh, toddadamscoaching.com, and good old sweetie's book, uh, (laughs) Zen Parenting, Parenting Ourselves and Our Children in an Un- predictable. Yeah. If you're on Goodreads, I hate to give you another thing to do because we said only three, but um, like it on Goodreads, follow it. I'm trying to have a, because it's been out for a year now, you have to kind of find new creative ways to, you know, keep talking about it. And I think Goodreads might be my new path. There you go. So go there. Yeah. Um, So in lieu of the closing music, I'm just going to go ahead and press play on the invitation by Orion Mountain Dreamer. And hopefully you like it. Keep trucking, everybody. Ache for. And if Try that again. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for, and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own. If you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, be realistic, remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day. And if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. Yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. 
I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Teen Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.